good to be in God's house today. It's great to be here. It's great to be here with you. It's great to worship and to sing. And I like it when church makes you feel good and makes you feel comfortable. That's why I want to tell you right now that some of you are going to be probably the most uncomfortable you've ever been in church over the next few minutes. Some of you are probably going to find something you've been looking for, and that's some freedom. Some of you are going to find yourself over the next few moments surprised and shocked by what God may reveal to you in the depths of your soul that you have suppressed so long and so deep you did not even realize it was an issue. So I want to give you that up front, that this isn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily here to make you feel good and comfortable. I'm here to deliver to you the Word of God as it is written, as God intends it to be, so we can know the real true God in light of who we are and He is, so that we can live a life more like Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. I'm not here for you to pat me on the back. The only applause that I preach for is that of God. So I bring to you today something that's going to be very encouraging for many of you, but for others it's going to be troubling. Some of you are going to disagree with me. Some of you are going to push back on some of the stuff we're going to talk about. And some of you are just going to go, forget that. But I encourage you today to listen with an open heart and open mind. We're in Matthew chapter 5 and I want us to understand that we're going through these beatitudes, but I think they've been misnamed. I think the context of what these are is much more than just an attitude, and we will get there. What I'd like to do today, what if we talked about revenge? What if we talked about getting back at those people who have hurt us? What if we talked about if they use their fists, we pick up a stick? If they use a knife, let's get a gun. If they steal a dollar, let's take a hundred from them. If they bump our car, let's cuss them out. If they cuss us out, let's call them names they've never even heard of. Let's make up some. Let's chase them down the street. And let's get what's ours and get what's right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting somebody to say amen here, but I understand. <laughs> Sometimes you come across people and you feel that way, don't you? Let's just be honest with each other. I'm going to be the first one. I have felt like that. I have literally, as your pastor, I have dealt with those emotions and those feelings where I'd just like to go up and slap that guy right upside his head. Anybody here ever felt that, thought that? Come on, be honest with me. Make me feel, lie to me, make me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> we have this sense in us that we like revenge. As Barney said one time, Jackie, as he looked at Andy and he said, that guy, on, those boys only want one thing, R-E-V-E-N-G. And Andy responded and said, revenge? <laughs> revenge is something that's deep inside of us. And there's two extremes. Whenever we get hurt or something happens, there's two extremes. There's the extreme where we want to attack and the extreme where we want to run away. Both can be completely unbiblical. The attack response leads to murder. The running away response can lead to suicide. Either way, it can lead to death. So today, let's dive in and really walk this path because really... Jesus talks about mercy, but mercy is easier said than done. But I want us to lean into this and, and walk with me today. Why is mercy so important, and what does it have to do with you and I? I mean, that's just a church term, right? We only talk about inside the church, but when we walk outside those walls, you know, I can live, I can do, i got to take up for myself, right, Pastor? 
let's walk this out and let's, let's put some shoe leather on this idea of mercy. And mercy is not just for the marginalized and the victim. It's also for the perpetrator. It's not just for the oppressed, but also the oppressor. Mercy isn't just simply for those who get lynched, but also for the lynch mob. Mercy is for both. We have lost sight of mercy. Some of us have been mistreated. We have been lied about. We've been lied to. We have been stolen from. We have been betrayed. We've been victimized. We have been let down. We have been hated and we have been hurt. And down deep inside, it makes us mad. Sometimes, you just need to kick the cat. Hold on, Miss Edith, before you start throwing things from back there. The story goes that as a day begins in a man's life, things just keep getting worse. He, go, he gets in his car, he gets angry, and other things happen, and other things just keep happening. And at work, things happen, and he finally gets home, and he gets in a fight with his wife. And finally, he just kicks the cat, and he calms down. If he had just started kicking the cat, all that could have been avoided. Larry, that was a bad story you told me. (laughs) But the reality is, we all can relate on some level. Because we do get upset. But when we look at mercy, when we read this, let me tell you what the first thing is that we think about. We think about what we deserve, what we get. Verse 7 of Matthew chapter 5 simply says, Jesus is speaking these words to the disciples. He said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. One of the reasons why we have gotten to where we do not understand mercy is because we have too high of a view of ourselves. We think we deserve it. We think that when we read this verse, we immediately interpret it in terms of the humanistic view that it's all about me. If I do this, I get that. And if we want mercy, then I guess I just need to show some mercy and then I'll get what I want. But I want us to slow down. Because that is the natural tendency for us to look at this from a very humanistic, selfish perspective and interpret this that we can get what we want. I want us to look at Psalm 145, verse 8 for a second. Listen to this. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. Did you know if you do a search and you get to looking up Mercy and God, the Bible is filled with it. From the beginning to the end, you will find God's mercy. There are verses about God's mercy overflowing, God's mercy, God's mercy, God's mercy, God's loving kindness, God's loving kindness. So I'm here to tell you right now to immediately think that mercy is all about us is to completely get it backwards because mercy is number one and first and foremost about him because without him there would be no mercy so we need to start with him start with a clear view of what this really is biblically so as we dive into this i want us to look at this blessed are the merciful fully satisfied are the merciful So let's kind of look at blessed here for a a moment. Number one is this. Mercy walks in the truth of God. Mercy walks in the truth of God. Mercy is not removed from it. Mercy embraces the truth of God and what He says and not what I feel. Mercy has to do with He is in charge. If you remember where we've been so far in the Beatitudes, we began with, I'm spiritually bankrupt, I have nothing to bring. And then it went to, I am mournful and sorry. 
for my sins and the wretched man that I am. And then we come and we are completely humbled and we surrender ourselves to God because we have nothing to bring and we're just sinners. And then we hunger and thirst for Him and we find here that Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful. Jesus, in this sermon, covers a little bit of this. Now, this is where you're going to get uncomfortable. So if you don't want to be uncomfortable, you may want to you know, turn your ears off or you know, uh, stop listening or something because this is going to be very uncomfortable. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, same chapter, verse 38, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, oh boy, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not Turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Are you uncomfortable yet with the words of Christ? I didn't write that. I'm just a delivery guy. Jesus said, you have heard it was said, get what's yours. Somebody wrongs you, wrong them back. Somebody takes from you, take it back. Somebody punches you, pick up a stick. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, that but should make us uncomfortable. And can I tell you, it's okay if you feel uncomfortable with that. Because that's the flesh within us that we still reside in. You're not weird to feel that way. You're not wrong to feel that way. In fact, be honest to God when you feel that way and say, God, I, I don't like that. It bothers me. I got so many questions. Because when you take it to God, He can begin to sort it out in your life so you can fully understand it better. See, I do not think that Jesus included that in, in His sermon by accident following saying, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because Jesus is making a point. He's making it very clear that mercy is a vital part of the kingdom of God. You cannot take the kingdom of God and remove mercy from it and still have the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say the kingdom of God is built on such as this. Mercy. Without mercy, there is no foundation. Without mercy... There's nothing to build upon. Mercy walks in step with God's truth. Second thing, mercy is never owed, and I would even say or deserved, but mercy can only be received or given. Mercy is never a contingent of something that you need to get. What we just read, I'm going to read it again. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Did you hear that? That's truth. An evil person. There's a truth here. This is a person that is evil. Don't, don't resist them. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, there's a truth. They got slapped. When you get slapped on your right cheek, turn to left also. If anyone wants to sue you to take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not throw away from him who wants to borrow from you. None of this scripture shows that there should be anything owed to the person that has wronged you. It's not a tit for tat. They don't deserve mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the definition of mercy. If you're waiting for someone to do something so that you can actually show mercy, then you don't understand mercy. 
Mercy is not about being owed something. It's about giving something. Mercy is about receiving something, even though you don't deserve it. That is mercy. And thanks be unto God, we who follow Christ, who have been born again, who have been saved, we have received mercy. Mercy is never owed. It's only received or given. Matthew chapter 6. want us to look at one of the most popular sets of Scripture that more people can probably quote this, probably be close to John 3.16. In fact, if you want to do it with me, you can. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a period right there? I would love it if it just said, Lord, forgive us of our debts. <laughs> but instead, it's a comma. And he says, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us or those who have a debt to us, those who have wronged us and we deserve something from them. Jesus hits it earlier with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now he's talking about how you pray. And these are words from Jesus. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have a debt toward us. Forgive our debtors, those who owe us something. Now, I want us to read verse 14 and 15. I'm not sure if you're ready for this. Some of you may have never heard this, or some of you may have heard it, but you don't want to acknowledge it. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to look at it, because you've been hurt so deeply and so bad and so wrong. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. You are going to hold a grudge, and you are going to be, they don't deserve it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Jesus, don't, don't go any deeper. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. I don't know about you, but if you're not feeling uncomfortable by now, as your pastor, this doesn't bode well to make people feel good, to make people want to sit up and go, Woo, man, Christianity's great. This is walking in the shoes of a man named Jesus who calls us to something higher than our flesh. To go beyond what we think we should do and step into that which He has set forth for us to do. Forgiveness is married to mercy and mercy is married to forgiveness. You cannot remove forgiveness from mercy. Write that down. Mercy is married to forgiveness. The two walk together, hand in hand, arm in arm. You cannot understand mercy unless you grab hold of forgiveness at the same time. Mercy doesn't go like this. You know, I should slap you. I, should just, I just should haul off and slap you upside the head. I'm not, though, because I might go to jail. Tim's back there. That's not mercy. That's you being selfish just to stay out of trouble. That's what that is. Let's be real. Mercy is saying, I should slap you, but I'm not. Because I forgive you. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He is saying, when you get hit on one cheek, turn the other one. You want to know why? Because in the long run, in eternity, that slap on the face is nothing. It's minuscule, it's small, it's little. Mercy is married to forgiveness. And the cousin of mercy, we all like this word. Somebody say grace. 
Oh, we like grace, don't we? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Man, that's a good word. Come on, pastor, let's hit some grace. But grace and mercy and forgiveness, when we only look at ourselves, at what we get from it, and not understand what we really have received from a holy and righteous God, we become very humanistically focused and we take God and we put Him in a box. That is not Him. Mercy is a big deal. Mercy. That is a heavy word. Mercy and grace are from the same DNA. But they're a little bit different. Mercy is saying that you're not going to receive what you duly deserve. Grace says you are going to receive what you don't deserve. Understand the path we have been on. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I have nothing to bring. I'm sorry for my sins. God, you take over. You be in charge. No longer let me be in control. I want you. And then we come to this glorious verse. This is blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Could it be? Could it quite possibly be that this verse is talking about the forgiveness filling us up? How about this? Fully satisfied are those who are mercy-filled. Fully satisfied are those who are filled up with the mercy of God. Not that you received some special power, but that God's mercy took that empty vessel that said, I'm spiritually bankrupt, I'm empty, there's nothing in here, and God went, let me pour my mercy and just fill you up with it. Let me give to you forgiveness of sins. Let me offer to you something you've never known before. Because ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole world out there that does not know Christ who thinks they can show mercy. But I got news for you. God glorifying mercy is only an act of God. In fact, know this, write it down, that the only way for God to be glorified in mercy, the only way it can be accomplished is through the work of God. You may be sitting there going, I don't like this discussion about forgiveness. i got people I don't want to forgive. They, they hurt me years ago. I've got family members. i got friends. i got a mama. i got a daddy. i got a daddy who left me. i got a mama who left me. I got, you can go on and on, and we can talk about your unforgiveness, but I'm here to offer you something you've not tried yet. Mercy. Giving that which isn't deserved. Do you understand you do not deserve salvation? We as Christians though in America, we think we do. We think we deserve all the blessings. I mean, after all, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Things should be good for me. If that's how you think, this ain't the church for you because this pastor is going to stand up here and tell you life, life is tough. Life is going to be hard, and just because you know Christ doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But what I'm here to tell you today, it's not about the things that happen to you. Life is not easy when Jesus says, you've been filled up with mercy, and you're going to receive more mercy. And he goes on to say, when you get slapped on one cheek, turn it. Whenever you pray, you better forgive, because God ain't going to forgive you. He takes mercy serious, and it's time we do. It's time we understand. The only way to forgive is through an act of God happening in our own life personally. Because I understand. Some of you could tell me stories. Some of you have. How you've been hurt. How you have been injured. How it has been so bad and hard. And the pain is so deep. There'd be no way for me to comprehend it. 
I get that. But I also understand that God loves you so much, He don't want to, you to stay in that prison. See, when you forgive and you show mercy, you're not letting the other person free. You're letting yourself free. You living with the idea of revenge and hate and you living with this, this world of because this has happened to me. I got news for you. There's, there's been some people I've come across. I'd just love to have punched them. I'd love to see them just be taken out of this world. I'm being real as your pastor. You want to know why? Because I'm a man of flesh and blood. I, I, listen, mess with me. I'll get over it. You mess with my family, I'm coming after you. <laughs> That's the way I think. Because I'm a husband, I'm a father. That will rile me up. Mess with my kids, mess with my wife. You're going to see a new side of the pastor. He's going to take his pastor hat off and boy, here I come. But then I read these words where I have to forgive. Where I got to show mercy to people that I don't think deserve it. And then I begin to realize God has to do a work within me for me to be able to do that. Because it's beyond me. It's bigger than me. It goes much be farther than I can go. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is because of His mercy you and I can have a relationship and be born again. John Chrysostom said, Mercy initiates, imitates God and disappoints Satan. Mercy imitates God and disappoints Satan. Because Satan don't want you having any part with mercy. He wants you to take revenge. He wants you to hold that grudge. He wants you to just stew over it. He wants you to just burn. See, this message is not about what you need to do to get something that you want. This message is about who you are in acting out of that. Go back to the verse just for a second. I want you to see what it says. Edith, put it on the screen for me, please. I want everyone to see the word says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful. It does not say blessed are those who actually show mercy, then they're going to get some mercy. And if they don't show mercy, they're not getting mercy. Our, uh, our idea is that's what it means, but it doesn't fit with the context. The Beatitudes are not attitudes, they're identity of who we are. If we are spiritually bankrupt, we are completely surrendered to God. We're sorry for our sins. We're hungering and thirsting for Him. That's who we are. Then we are mercy-filled. That is our identity. This isn't about doing something. It's about receiving and understanding what we already have. And understanding the promise that's found in this verse, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. Ten out of ten people in this room, you're going to mess up. Guess what? The person next to you, they're going to make a mistake. Nope. Actually, let me rephrase that. A mistake is something that may not have eternal consequences, but a sin does. The person next to you, they're going to sin. The person on the other side of you are going to sin. The guy that's standing up here on this stage preaching to you, telling you about the Word of God is going to sin. And I am very thankful that even though I have been filled up with mercy and I'm fully satisfied in that, I'm going to receive more mercy because I'm going to need it. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you do not know, this guy's a mess. And I know some of you are thinking, yep, I know a few people who are a mess. And they've messed me up. They've messed me over. They have done me wrong. They have hurt me. But as we look and see that this is tied to our identity we understand that we're blessed because we have received mercy and been filled up with it. 
If I had a cup here and I had water and I began to pour water into that cup, that cup would have been empty when I started. If you remember the first week when I talked about spiritually bankrupt, we're completely empty. We have nothing to offer. There's nothing there. We empty it out. But God doesn't leave it empty. He comes and fills it up with his mercy. And when it gets all the way to the top, you know what it needs? Just one small drop and it'll flow over the side. God has given us mercy so that we can walk in that identity. I have been filled up with mercy. And because of that, I will be merciful. And I will receive mercy because I know Christ and I have that relationship. I would say that this is the verse that brings it all together. God declares in scriptures he has more mercy than you have a mess. God's mercy will never be returned with insufficient funds. His mercy is greater still. We cannot give mercy to others until we understand the mercy we've already received or received the mercy from God. If you do not know Christ, you don't even comprehend this concept. You think it's okay to, I'll show some mercy to some, some people who are hungry, to, to people who are, are out of food or out of work. I'm going to show mercy to some guy that, that you know, he... Uh, he's a little bother at work. I'm just not going to call him names where people can hear me anymore. You may think that's mercy. That's a good first step. But until you receive the mercy of God, you will not understand when Jesus says, if you do not forgive those who have trespassed against you, God will not forgive your trespasses. Do not leave thinking today that this is a only about checking off a list of being merciful to people around you. That's not what this is about. It is about abiding in the fact that you have received mercy. That you are a child of God, filled up with His forgiveness. You have got to abide in mercy to be able to show mercy to receive mercy, but you don't do it just so you can get it because that makes it all about you. But let's talk about you for a moment. What must we do with this? Well, I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Number one, receive God's mercy. Pastor, I've received God's mercy. Can we just move on? Well, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 2. Since you think so highly of yourself, I just want to deliver to you what God has said rather than what I have said. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead. Boy, that's pretty harsh. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Man, wow. Wow, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's a great picture of me. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Well, now, it's not very favorable to talk about who we are. I love verse 4. Say it with me, Brian. But God, come on, say it with me. But God, even though we were in that mess, even though that's who we were, but God being rich in what? Mercy. Somebody say mercy. Oh, man, mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. God's mercy is a gift, ladies and gentlemen. You don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. God was standing there and said, you know what? 
while they are still sinners, Christ is going to die for you. While you were still a mess, doing the things that, as it says in here, hostile toward God, enemies of God, disobedient people, Christ died for you. And what I love is this passage right here. You know what it ties into? Your identity. Listen. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He said you're a masterpiece. That's your identity because of Christ, not because of your actions. You don't do devotions to receive mercy. You understand you've already received mercy and you walk in that understanding this is your identity. You have been forgiven, so therefore you can forgive by the power of God, not your own power. Now I want you to know you're going to be challenged. If sin, I heard somebody say this this week, and I thought it was so good, I had to share it with you. If sin was blue, I'd be staring at a bunch of Smurfs. And you'd be looking at Papa Smurf right here. If sin was blue, we'd all be Smurfs. But I'm so thankful that God forgave us a great debt we could not pay. And we have a hard time comprehending this, so let me see if I can, I can um, illustrate this to you. My wallet's in, in, in my jacket, and I don't have a dollar. Does somebody have a $1 bill? Anybody got a dollar bill? Come on. Oh. Well, it, if you've got a 10 or a 100, that will work too. So you, know. you don't have one of those. Okay, if you do have a, a $100 bill, I would like to borrow that too. I will give it back, just so you know. Anybody got a 100 nobody's willing to share that with me. Okay. <laughs> You've been around me too much, haven't you? This is $1. A $1 bill. Now, how many of you know that the United States of America is in debt? How many of you know how much debt this country is in? A lot. Yes, that is, <laughs> that's a good answer. Actually, I looked this morning, and it's at $31 trillion. Now, we can't comprehend $31 trillion. How about time? Can you, can you comprehend time? All right, how about seconds? If you were to earn a dollar for every second, there's my stopwatch. Let's get that thing going. Every second, $1, $2, $3, $4, $5, $6, Every second you were to earn a dollar, how long do you think it will take you to pay off $31 trillion? How about this? I'm going to give you a number. 983,004 years. Oh my, that's a debt. To take 983,000 years to pay off a debt when you earn a dollar a second means you're not capable of doing it. Well, if you were to get $10, then it would take you 98,300 years. That's a little more reasonable, but I don't know of anybody in here that's going to live 98,000 years. Uh, how about if you earned $1,000 a second? It would take you... 983 years to pay off the United States debt if it didn't raise anymore. Okay, let's get real. How many of you want a job where you're making $10,000 a second? Come on now. Whoo, baby! Make $10,000 a second. It will take you 98 years if you invest every single dollar into the debt of the United States and it doesn't increase anymore. You could pay it off in 98 years making $10,000 a second. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a debt that you cannot pay. I cannot pay. But yet, the debt of your sin was so much greater it cost Jesus his life. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the mercy we receive is greater than you believe and you think that you've been walking in. You have been filled up with such mercy that that debt has been paid for and is gone. We need to walk in that identity. Look up to a heaven and say, God, you have forgiven me. Give me the strength to forgive others. Give me the strength to have mercy on others. For you and you alone have given me the gift of salvation. Without Christ, you all would be going to hell. So that's the essence of verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. Fully satisfied are those filled up with mercy. For they will receive more mercy. So once we receive God's mercy, you know what you're going to have to do? Oh, pastor, don't go there. We've got to give God's mercy. You receive it, and you give it. And for each one of us, that's going to be a little bit different. For some of you, it's going to be a stretch to hold your tongue when you're at the store and forgive the person that's in the store. For some of you, it's going to be someone who has hurt you so deeply and so wrongly that is, it has eaten away at you for years. The great theologian and deacon here named Chad Bruce he said this, a grudge will hurt more than the cut. That right there is a gold nugget. Somebody may want to write that down. A grudge will hurt more than the cut. Your unforgiveness is hurting you more than you realize. That pain you're holding on to and you're not releasing it to God is hurting you more than you realize. So I'm here to tell you forgiveness is key. Now, when it comes to biblical forgiveness, I just want to real quick give you some very practical things, four things that's biblical for forgiveness, because I want you to put some flesh on this and some shoe leather to mercy and forgiveness. When it comes to biblically forgiving, it's this, I will not dwell on the incident. Number one, you won't dwell on it. Number two, not only will you not dwell on it, you will not bring it up. If you forgive as God forgave, and you cannot fully forgive as God forgives because you're not God, you're human, it's still going to be a part of you, you're still going to struggle. But I'm telling you, if you choose to forgive, stop, stop dwelling on it, stop bringing it up. God don't dwell on your sin. God don't bring it up. Third thing is this. True biblical forgiveness will not hold it against the other or against you. God does not hold my sin against me. When He forgave me, He cast it as far as the east is from the west. When we biblically forgive, we don't dwell on it, we don't bring it up, we don't hold it against someone, and we do not seek to harm them because of it. We do not seek to harm them because of it. The fourth thing. I won't go around talking to others about it all the time. Brother, I want to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about what Sam did. Total stranger. Hey, yeah, I know what you're talking about. This guy named Sam... Don't go around talking about it. You don't dwell on it. You don't bring it up. You don't use it against somebody. You are not trying to seek their harm. Forgiveness is going, I have no power and control. I release it. You know what forgiveness does? Hold on to this. When you forgive, you release the perpetrator into the hands of a holy and living, just God. Until that moment, you know what you're doing? You're being God. See, this is why Jesus said, if you don't forgive, Heavenly Father's not going to forgive you because you're acting like God. You're doing the only thing God can truly do, and that is show mercy and forgive. So today we come with a very uncomfortable message, very uncomfortable moment 
without mercy. But we can rejoice. Blessed are those who are mercy-filled, those who have received forgiveness from God, for we will receive more forgiveness and more mercy from God. But for the one who does not know God through Christ and His forgiveness, there will come a day where you will receive no mercy at the judgment. Here's your great challenge for over the next seven days. I could tell you to do something. I could say, hey, whoever that person is that you keep thinking about that's hurt you, that God has showed you today, go to them, call them this week, send them a text right now, do something. I'm not going to do that. Here's a seven-day challenge. After some prayer, this is... This needs to be between you and God for God to do a work in you so you can do what God has asked you to do, not about what the pastor asked you to do. Go simply ask God, who do I need to forgive? Because here's the danger. If you neglect to ask the question, you may never realize that there really is an answer. It could be that you have suppressed it and held it back so long and it is so deep that you don't think about it no more. You don't dwell on it. But there is someone that hurts you so bad. And you've completely forgotten about it. But unknown to you, it has affected every relationship in your life. If you will ask God, Who do I need to forgive? God will bring the keys of mercy and help you be set free. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a message about being set free today. Something we don't want to talk about, we don't want to address, we don't want to think about, but ladies and gentlemen, without the mercies of God, we would all still be enslaved to sin. Without the mercy of God, we would all be on our way to hell still love what that one man said that just keeps ringing in my head. God don't send anybody to hell. He rescues them from going on the journey that they're already on. The mercy of God has done so much for you and I. Let us not continue to walk in animosity. Let us not live with regret. Over the next few moments, you will have an opportunity to pray. Pray where you are. You can come up front. If you go to my left right now, there'll be somebody there to pray with you. If you need to just do some business where it's just you and God, you come over here to the right. If you want to be left alone while you pray, you come this way. If you want somebody to pray with you, you come this way. If you want to talk to me, I'll be right here in the middle. But here's the deal. Don't put off dealing with whatever God has brought to your mind. Because I am certain God's brought somebody to somebody's mind or something in your mind that you have really struggled with. And maybe you realize this morning I haven't fully forgiven. Because I really would like to see them hit by a car. That's not forgiveness. Maybe you're at a place where you know you need to take a step, but you don't know what that needs to be. Talk to him. Talk to him. We come to this place not to be entertained, but to encounter a holy and living God so that you may grow as his people You can grow in the way you think about his kingdom and his kingdom thinking will be inside of you. That's why we are here. Pray with me. Father, your mercies are new. Your mercies are great. Without your mercies, where would we be? let us understand the brevity of our sin of how great the debt that was paid by Jesus so that we may understand that we are spiritually bankrupt God I'm sorry for my sins 
Lord, continue. I ask to be in control of my life. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make dumb decisions. I'm going to say stupid stuff. Emotions are going to get the best of me. I'm going to be stressed. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be wore out. Things are going to happen. But God, thank you for filling me with mercy. And thank you for the promise that as I step forward, and I may make these mistakes, there will be more mercy given to me. Father, do a work in these people, in their hearts, in their minds today. May they be moved by your Holy Spirit. Lord, if someone does not know Jesus, they don't understand mercy or forgiveness. They only have a superficial idea, a very shallow concept. Lord, move upon their hearts today to just understand they have nothing to bring and they just ask you to take over their life and to forgive them for they have sinned against you and you alone. Instill within them a hunger and thirst and fill them with your mercy and forgiveness and grace so that they may walk brand new. Lord, for those of us who know you, who are struggling with hatred in our hearts, anger, disgust, pain. We want to attack and some just want to run away and not deal with it, not look at the truth in the eyes, but deep down we don't forgive them. God, do not let us leave this place until we do business with you that our lives will be changed this moment and we may be set free from the prison we have placed ourselves in. For Lord, a grudge hurts much deeper than the cut. Help us embrace your forgiveness in Jesus' name.